This is your Olympic hero and former WWE champion, Kurt Angle. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's damn true. From the Starcade Studios in Kansas City, Missouri, the pinnacle of hard-hitting sports talk, featuring weekly expert analysis and exclusive interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Nitro Noah Groniger and Mr. Electricity Clint Schweitzer. And Starcade Stories is on the air, Mr. Electricity Clint Schweitzer, alongside my confidant, my friend, my pal. My partner of 11 years now, Noah Groniger, Nitro Noah Groniger. Are you feeling Nitro-ish today or not? You always got to be Nitro. When you're on fire, you're on fire. Can't put it out. So I'm always Nitro, baby. That's true, especially when you're knee-deep into a football season. This is what we live for. This is where we're at. And on this show here on Starcade Stories, we're going to be taking you to our very special interview that we did this week on our Arrowhead Allies show with Joe Theismann. We're going to be giving you that in its entirety. This is not like an old WCW Clash of the Champions where it was like TV time remaining. No, 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 no. Definitely <laughs> out of time. This is this is going to be Joe Theismann in an element that let's just say he completely thrived in. He, um, we had a great time with him. Yeah, he did, and we were able to get into the wings and go around the NFL and even talk a little Notre Dame. So it's all coming up with Joe Theismann and I can't put him over enough. I think he's just one of the sharpest minds in, in the business and NFL legend of Super Bowl champion and NFL MVP. He always talks about the teammates that he had that should be in the hall of fame. Joe to me is one that is right there as well. And uh, he did win a Super Bowl. And I think that's a lot of times the uh, litmus test for quarterback. So Joe Theismann hall of famer. Yeah, I mean, an MVP, Super Bowl, I mean, you could definitely say he could be at least in the discussion uh, as one of the finalists, uh, one of the senior finalists. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying senior now. I used to grow up watching him yeah. on Sunday night football, calling those games with Paul McGuire and Mike Patrick and my favorite announcing broadcast team of all time. And so we always love catching up with Joe and talking everything. And he's got some ideas for the NFL for new rules changes. Should everything be challenged? You're going to hear that in this interview. We went all different aspects, so we covered it all. You're going to love it. Yeah, you are going to love it. We always love having, we have him on about once a year. And let's not forget, Noah, the encounter we had with Joe at the Super Bowl at LAX a couple of years ago. Yes, and it's like Joe came out of a bathroom and we'd never met him in person. And we're just like, Joe, it's your Kansas City guys. Can you believe it? And yet it was like during mass and yes. we were in LA and paid $65 for like some half eaten sub sandwiches or something. And there was Joe Theismann and um, never had him in person this year at the Super Bowl. If he's there, we got to make that happen. And we do talk a little Notre Dame with him as the Notre Dame fighting Irish coming off of a triumphant, a dominant win over the USC Trojans, Caleb Williams, Heisman trophy, hopeful. Is but he Notre human? Dame's, He's human after this, and USC as a team is flawed, definitely human. Yeah. And I, th I think that's what this is more about right now. And Notre Dame, who's suffered some really tough losses, like that Ohio State game, fell through their fingertips. They could be a team we could be talking about in the playoffs, but now they've lost to Louisville as well. They've got two losses. Yeah. So, but impressive win. And USC, there's just something missing. And we know what that is. Uh, clearly, it's a defense, but offensively, they didn't play that well either. Caleb Williams is a freak, but. 
You yeah, that Notre Dame point. defense is strong. They punish that offensive line. USC without a really strong run game relies on just Caleb and those receivers. That's good against most, but it wasn't good against Notre Dame last weekend. Tough one for them. That's uh, maybe the worst game Caleb's ever played. I think it has to be. Uh, even going back to his days in Oklahoma, he never played a game that bad. So uh, no one had seen him do this, but everyone's kind of off the hype train now. They're like, well, maybe Drake May goes first. Let's slow right. down on Caleb Williams. Yeah, Everyone has a bad game. He faces That's a tough not fair. And absolutely not fair. And Caleb's still going to be your number one pick as we get through this process. Only a few games between ranked teams. We know Penn State and Ohio State. I don't like to break down Big Ten games here on the show. We just don't do that. That's a big one, though, uh, that's going to be at the horseshoe there in Ohio State. Tennessee, Alabama is Alabama. They are just have been so mid all season, but they're number 11. If they went out, they're going to be in the SEC title game with a chance to play for national championship because that's what they do. Missouri, number 20, hosts South Carolina on Saturday at Furrow Field. The game is sold out, Noah. This Missouri team circled the wagons in a big way, knocked off Kentucky last week. And now it's one of those things where you just got to keep proving it week in and week out. When you're a good team, when you've proven yourself, you can't have a letdown. You can't have that happen against Spencer Rattler and Coach Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks, a team you've beaten four times in a row. It cannot happen this Saturday. South Carolina's a little stingy. They're one of those teams. They're like the Arkansas of the SEC East. You cannot write them off. Their offense is spectacular. We love Spencer Rattler putting up a lot of numbers. But that defense is very suspect. Missouri should be able to really exploit them through the air. And Missouri's got to win this to keep this momentum rolling. They absolutely have to win it. You mentioned Spencer Rattler that could throw a kink in things in your plans of winning that game. But like you mentioned, that South Carolina defense, I think Missouri's defense is strong enough to at least slow down Spencer Rattler and that South Carolina game talk offense here and there. Um, and so that's, I think that's all you're going to need because Missouri is going to be lighting up that scoreboard. It's going to be like a pinball, pinball machine, bing, 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 bing. It's just going to keep lighting up because that defense is atrocious. You saw what Graham Mertz and that Florida offense was able mm. to do and Missouri is much better than Florida. So they should be able to really light them up and slow them down. Like I said, at least a little bit. So you guys can come out with a W. Well, we're going to see over the next few weeks, uh, you got the South Carolina game, then you got to a bye week before you go to Georgia, number one team in the nation. No Brock Bowers, probably. Yeah. And then on the back end, you got Florida, Tennessee, and Arkansas. So you get a chance to prove your medal against the team. You said Florida's way better than Missouri. I don't know that right now. We'll find out. Um, Florida has come back a little bit. They're three and one in the SEC. Yeah. You got to keep an eye on, on what the Gators are doing. And I think that win for them against South Carolina was pretty big. And for the Gamecocks, we talk about the receiving core that Missouri has, Theo Weiss Jr., Luther Burden, Mookie Cooper. Now you got this Dominic Johnson. Xavier Leggett is every bit of that for the South Carolina Gamecocks. He is, you know, Joe Theismann, who we're going to talk to coming up, talks about having a safety valve, an outlet, no matter who you are as a quarterback, that you have to have a receiver that you can count on like the Chiefs don't have. Xavier <laughs> Leggett for South Carolina is that. So a lot of prime wide receiver talent is going to be on display. And for Missouri, it's just keep winning. You got to keep this momentum rolling because as you sit right now at six and one, you have a very good to potentially a special season on the horizon. What does Missouri have to do for it to be special? Nine? Is, is that the number Missouri's got to get to? Is it nine wins? I think if you're mentioning a word like special, then it's going to have to be nine. Mm. Ten. Uh, I don't know. If George is going to be really hot. You're like, you, Brock Bowers is out. That helps you even more on that end. Uh, that takes away the safety net over there for Carson Beck. Uh, he's not going to have somebody to go to. So, but 
maybe Lad McConkey's that guy for him, but he's not going to have that safety net in Brock Bowers, the guy that's going to go at the top of the NFL draft this upcoming year. And so guys almost took down Georgia last year. This year, it could be the time, but then you talk about Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas, all very winnable games. People want to talk about Tennessee. We'll see what they do against Alabama. Maybe they can look more impressive and scare you a little more, but right now, they just don't put the fear of God in you. You can go in there and you can win that game, and Florida and Arkansas as well, they're having not great seasons up and down, so Missouri should feel confident in four out of these last five games. Well, we will see how things shake out. It's going to be a beautiful day. Saturday, Field sold out for the third straight time this season. And it just shows you, Noah, the hunger of the Missouri fan base. Yes. And looking at it as in, hey, Missouri, you know, average, I think, 53,000 fans last year in a 62,000-seat stadium. And that's with just a, a, you know, whatever it was, a fourth straight season of being 500. Middling team, yeah. Middling team for four years and really – you had an eight and four season under Barry Odom and an 18 and then a seven and five team in 17. And then you'd missed a bowl game for the few years before that. And then Gary Pinkle had a bad last year on the way out. So for the, for nine years, this has been a ho-hum program. Okay. So just showing you the excitement, you got the recruiting. We think Ryan Wingo, uh, one of the top 20 players in America is going to commit to Missouri in the next couple of weeks. He'll be at that, the South Carolina game. He's going to be there at homecoming. So the momentum that Missouri's feeling, they've announced plans for stadium renovations, athletics, budgets going up. Basketball is finally kind of getting back on track. So for Missouri, it's just like, you just wait for the other shoe to drop. Are you sitting around like, well, when's that moment coming? But it can't be Saturday. I know that. But for Missouri, it just shows this fan base is so hungry and it's showing up now when, when this team is showing even a modicum of, you know, just having a little modicum of success. Yeah, the fervor is high there in Columbia, and you've got to take care of business. You can't let these games slip through your fingers that you should win, like South Carolina and in Arkansas and a Florida. Tennessee is going to be a little tough. Mm -hmm. Georgia is going to be very tough. But at least those three, at least those three, South Carolina, Florida, and Arkansas, you've got to win those games. If you let these slip through your fingers, it could be another what could have been season. Okay, coming up, it is our interview with none other than our good friend, former Super Bowl champion, NFL legend, Joe Theismann. And after that, we will be talking a little NFL on our way out the door, if you don't mind. If you would grant us that one thing, we would appreciate it. A crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week, so there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. HelloFresh does all the shopping and meal planning for you. Ingredients arrive at your doorstep, pre-portioned and ready to cook, along with pictured step-by-step -step recipe cards. How easy is that? Let me just tell you, if you know me, you know that I'm not exactly Chef Boyardee. I'm not the best cook, and I'm not the greatest at trying to pick out what to eat every night. With HelloFresh, I can get online and pick out the kind of food that I like. It arrives at my doorstep. I have step-by-step -step instructions, and it's just that easy. I couldn't do without it. It has become the lifeblood for my nutrition every single week. So with that said, just go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Starcade and use code 50Starcade for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50Starcade. Use code 50Starcade for 50% off, and you get free shipping. Just remember with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. 
Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it is America's number one meal kit. Well, with that said, um, we're going to go ahead and bring on our good friend, uh, Joe Theismann, to the show. Joe, kind enough to join us here. You're among friends. How are you, sir? I feel like I'm in a huddle right now. (laughs) Call something. What do you got? Most power trip. Let's let's go. Uh, no, no. Actually, what we could do is go to sixty outside. Give the ball to John and just ride him all the way to the Super Bowl. <laughs> wow! Right before you came on, our good friend Shane here was just talking about uh, your guy John Riggins there. Although he is a Kansas Jayhawk, we will still celebrate his career here, despite that fact, Joe. <laughs> well, welcome. This is uh, you're traveling, so this is so nice of you to to um, give us some time here and kind of talk about the NFL. But I got to start, man. You're Notre Dame fighting Irish. What a win over Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. This I'm really a big fan of Sam Hartman when they got him from the transfer portal from Wake Forest. And now to see what uh, Coach Freeman, the vision is starting to come together despite a couple um, early losses in the season. Just kind of give us your thoughts on the big win that Notre Dame had and, and where you see this going under Coach Freeman. I thought that the uh, defensive performance um, against USC, <coughs> excuse me, was one of the greatest I've ever seen. Uh, Not that I'm partial to Notre Dame, which I am, but that was one of the most outstanding efforts I've ever seen by an entire group of players. And Sam is just as cool as a cucumber under pressure. Um, He's made for the moment. Um, You know, we had a couple of things happen in the Ohio State game. That one got away from us a little bit. They just were flat against Louisville. But boy, did they play well against USC. I mean, I was so impressed with every aspect of our game, the kicking, the offense, the defense, and, you know, it doesn't get any easier. Now we go down and play Clemson. Yeah, I mean, you think, of, you think of the games that Notre Dame has played in the middle of the season, Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC, and Clemson. Yeah, Clemson. Yep. There is another team in the country that plays those five type of teams in that stretch on their, on their resume. And so I'm proud of what the guys did. Mm. You know, Joe, uh, we're talking about we were before you came on. We were talking about uh, the quarterback situation, Herbert in uh, Los Angeles, and I want to cover that with his. He's only he's only five hundred now, and all of his in four years of being a starting quarterback, as well as other co- franchises like the New York Jets, the Cleveland Browns. You know they they draft quarterbacks, and then it seems like two years later. They're, they're getting rid of them. You know, the Jets invested a lot in Sam Darnold. They got rid of him. Then they traded up for Wilson in the in the first round. They got him. And then, of course, they got Aaron Rodgers. And it just seems like, in totality, my question to you, Joe, is, does it seem to you like these franchises, these NFL franchises aren't giving these quarterbacks enough time mm-hmm. to uh, grow and mature as an NFL quarterback? Do you feel like it's it's moving? They're cutting the they're, – they're giving up too soon? What do you think, Joe? No, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're cutting bait and moving on. Uh, I agree with you. It, it takes time to develop in that position. And I've always believed this, the quarterback position is the single most dependent position on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, think of it, if you don't have an offensive line, we've seen that we see that in New York, um, both the Jets and the Giants, as a matter of fact. Um, if you don't have wide receivers, same situation. If you don't have a good running game, problem. If you don't have a defense, if you don't have a kicker, I heard a statistic the other day, 27% of the games in the NFL this year have been decided by three points or less, or 2022, mm. decided decided by three points or less. That's a fourth of the games played 
are decided by three points. So if you don't have a kicker, you've got problems. I, I You get a coaching change. You get a philosophical change. Uh, one person wants to run one kind of offense. Another one wants to run another kind of offense. And it just gets all muddled for the guy trying to play the position. Um, they are quick to make change. I, I agree with you. I think it, in the National Football League, it's what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think in Zach Wilson, you know, Aaron's not going to play forever. I mean, maybe he comes back hopefully at the end of this year, maybe another year. But Zach Wilson is getting some very valuable playing time, and he's growing. He's struggling. He's, he's better. He's playing better this year than he was last year. I mm -hmm. think we all can see that. So he's continuing to grow into the position. And now Anthony Richardson's lost an entire year through injury. Mm -hmm. We've seen Bryce Young in and out a little bit. C.J. Stroud's made some great strides down in Houston. Uh, really because he's on the field because he's not losing time. And I, a pretty darn good football team, a very under the radar football team Houston is around him. So, yeah, I agree with the assumption that we sort of move on from guys really, really quickly, but that has to do again, uh, is the owner firing a head coach is the owner changing the system on offense. Those go into the factors of why guys don't succeed. Hey Joe, uh, our Kansas City Chiefs right now are um, we're we're progressing on offense. I'll I'll, I'll say that we're not where we we're want to be right now. Nice, what um, a great word that is. <laughs> Thank what you. A great word. With, with that being said, man, you played on some tremendous teams in the '80s. Man, you played with some monsters on that defense. You had Daryl Green, one of the best cornerbacks of all time. You had some monsters over there. Mm -hmm. But with that being said. Uh, with you having um, a defense on your side, like how the Chiefs have now with the potential top five defense, mm -hmm. statistically right now, that's what it says. Um, does that let you gamble a little more on offense? Does that switch up the play calling a little bit? No, you, you have to play smart football. The mm -hmm. Kansas City Chiefs right now are not playing anywhere near on offense the football they play. Patrick Mahomes, to me, is the most exciting player in football. I think he's the best quarterback in football right now. That's my personal opinion. Um, but then also you see him at times just try and do too much mm -hmm. the other night. I mean, he, he, he gets sacked fourth down and or fourth and 22 third and third and 19. Um, Patrick believes that he can make a play on every play and you can't. And it catches up with them during the course of a game. They were lucky. They were lucky to win a couple of games this year so far. Uh, and Patrick, um, this is what's scary about the Kansas city chiefs. They're going to get better. And he's going to get better. I, I like to say, I don't, he hasn't played anywhere near he has through, through the course of last year. But didn't we see this last year in Kansas City? Mm -hmm. uh, the beginning of the year, they didn't really, they weren't as cohesive as I think everybody expected them to be because they won a championship. Now all of a sudden, you get into the flow of the season. And I've always said this the first three regular season games are now like preseason games because mm -hmm. the starters don't play in preseason. So they have to, you know, coaches have to find a rhythm with them. Players have to find their uh, ability to be able to last 60 minutes of football. Running backs and wide receivers have to have the ability to be able to hold on to the ball when they're actually getting hit. Something doesn't happen in preseason. So it only happens during the early part of the regular season. But Chiefs, to me, um, I've always felt like the defense is, was a little bit behind, and certainly we know how important Chris Jones is. Yeah, uh, that you know that became quite obvious, and then all of a sudden he shows up and go, "Gee whiz, looks like an entirely different football team." Mm -hmm. But I, I think Patrick will continue mm -hmm. to be Patrick, but I think he's got to temper it a little bit. I mean, you can't make plays all the time, and with Kelsey there, 
Um, Art Monk was my security blanket. Mm. It's really funny. At the quarterback position, it seems like there's that one guy that when things break down and you start moving around, all of a sudden that one guy flashes. Yeah. He, he finds a hole. He finds a place. Art was that way for me. When things sort of broke down and I was moving around, all of a sudden there was Art. And, and I see the same thing with, with Travis uh, and Patrick. Just a real innate ability to be able to find one another. And, and really, it's, it's Travis, to a large degree, understands the direction that Patrick is going in and then understands the way the defense is set up around him and gets into that little hole in the middle where Pat can get the ball out of his hands. Yeah, Joe, just to kind of piggyback on what Brian was saying there, we have arguments every week on this show about the receivers. I wanted to keep Tyreek Hill. I love the offense. Receiver's my favorite position. And so with the lack of top-end talent there, you mentioned it, Patrick's trying to do too much. He goes in post-game press conferences saying he, he got greedy. He needs to not do that. But I say that's who he is. It's in his nature. You can't cage a gunslinger, and that's what he is, a gunslinger. So he's going to try and attempt these things, and that's why we're seeing some more interceptions than we're used to seeing early on the season. I think he has five now. So just how do you think this progresses? How do you think this comes along? And is it kind of a, the Chiefs' fault? I know we saw it last year with the receivers, but this year we're seeing it again, and they just it was really hard last year. It's really hard this year. We can't expect them to get all the way to a Super Bowl, making everything so hard on offense. I don't want to make it this hard on offense for Patrick. <laughs> no, I, and neither, neither does Andy, trust me. Um, <laughs> But you you make an interesting point, and you know, for Patrick to come out and say, "Hey, I need to be I need to be smarter. I need to I need to know when to get rid of the football. I need to know when to dump the ball." Um, you know, he's smart. He gets out of bounds. He protects himself. But when you start running around back there, you never know when that one person is going to be in the place you don't expect him to be. Now, I, uh, here's my here's my argument to people talk about the wide receiver position. First of all, you can have too many. Um, because everybody's going to want the football, but mm -hmm. there's only one football. And so, you know, I've always, Dan Henning coached me. Uh, he was a head coach in Atlanta, was our offensive coordinator and quarterback coach in Washington. And we used to talk about the wide receiver position. The ideal scenario for that position is you need somebody big. You need somebody fast. You need somebody who can go over the middle, tough guy. And you need somebody who's elusive. That, that would be the perfect setup and an unselfish group of guys who doesn't care what the distribution looks like. Now, if you think of the New England Patriots and the run that they had winning six championships, name for me, other than a slot receiver and a tight end, and Randy Moss, who played wide receiver for the New England Patriots. God, Deion Branch. David Patton. Slot, re slot receiver. Chris Hogan. Right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Not yeah, many. Yeah. Ju Julian Edelman. We got two. We got two. We got two. Wes Welker. Julian Edelman. Slot receiver. Slot receiver. Yeah. Got How about wide? Receiver. How about wide receiver? Rache Caldwell. Deion Branch. Oh, yeah. uh, Caldwell. Caldwell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. I rest Not many. I rest my case. I, I think that <laughs> I think you it it sometimes when you have that one person, uh, and Miami is unique because they've got. You know, that's a track team. Okay. Let's, let's, you know, that's the four by 100 track team that could run in the Olympics with those guys. Um, and Tariq is, is a special receiver. I think if you wanted to look at the wide receivers, I don't know how he's viewed. I don't understand the power rankings, but to me, he's the most dynamic force in football today. Um, uncoverable, um, smart. 
protects himself well. Um, and once he gets his hands on the ball, you know, it's it's like Katie barred the door. It, it, it can run around you. He can run past you. He can do so many things with the football and without the football that make it so difficult for them to be able to be defended. Uh, and I think I think uh, Tua is doing a great job of distributing the football, getting it out of its hands. That's the whole thing is you can't hold the football. We were talking about Justin Herbert. He was forced to hold the football a little longer than he wanted to last night. Mm-hmm. And if you hold the ball a little bit longer and you don't, you don't run around like Patrick does or make the plays, you know, that, that we've seen other guys do from time to time. Um, and I thought Dak did a, a really, really good job last night of escaping and creating opportunities. But if you can't do that, boy, you're, you're getting killed. And I, I do want to say something. I played the position of quarterback. I played it at a different time in a different era where they didn't, you know, they let us get hit. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> we got the ever loving bejesus beat out of us. <laughs> what I see today in some of these roughing the passer penalties, oh. I am, I'm distraught that if I was a defensive player or a, a, a defensive lineman or a linebacker or a blitzing um corner or safety it, it's it's really really not good for football to keep throwing the flag when a guy gets pushed to the ground when somebody is coming at full speed they hit them and and they don't put their full body weight on matter of fact you see them open their arms up to make sure that they're showing that they're not trying to intentionally and yet they continue to throw the flag i understand that these guys make a lot of money mm-hmm. i understand that you have to quote unquote mm-hmm protect the position, but this is starting to reach a point of absurdity in my mind. Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, it happened to the chiefs. It happened to the chiefs uh, against Denver. It extended the drive and that's why they came away with eight points because of our safety. Mike Edwards, he came in roughed Russell Wilson, Josh Josh Allen. And of course we remember last year, Chris Jones clearly stripped the ball and they called yeah. it personal foul. So it was crazy yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, I listen. If a guy, if a guy comes in and slams somebody with their body weight, fine, you know. But mm-hmm. if a guy gets pushed to the ground, that's not roughing. <laughs> here's, here's one for you. Something that will never ever happen in professional football. The most vulnerable person in football is who, in your mind? Quarterback. Quarterback. Kicker. Kicker. Yeah. The punter. <laughs> Okay, the man is off the ground, people running at him, his feet are up in the air, his foot's up in the air, extremely vulnerable position. There's two designations of penalties when it comes to kickers. Oh, okay. And roughing the kicker. Yeah. Hmm. Why wouldn't you consider that in the NFL? Roughing the quarterback and running into the quarterback. I like that. Now, I promise you, This will never, ever, ever be accepted. (laughs) But it just, and here's one more for you. Sounds like you've talked to Roger Goodell, Joe, about this. (laughs) Listen, I'm glad we're having a conversation. Here's the other thing. There are two two challenges that coaches are allowed. And there's a menu that they get to choose from. The officials have a menu that they have to follow. Mm -hmm. Certain plays can't be challenged. Certain plays can be challenged. Why don't we just eliminate the can't be's and say every and any play in a game can be challenged. Don't yeah. increase the challenges. Yeah. As as a as a coach, you only have two. 
You only use them judiciously. For example, the Indianapolis Colt game against the Baltimore Ravens. All right. Gardner Minshew stepped out of bounds. He was dropping back in the end zone. His foot was out of bounds. I don't believe that's challengeable. It should be. So yeah. my recommendation to the competition committee is why not eliminate that little menu that you have and just let anything be challenged. You're not going to slow the game down because you're not giving anybody any more challenges. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, go back to the, go back to the new Orleans saints playoff game. I can, I can oh. give you instance after instance after instance that it doesn't fall under the challengeable rule. And I yeah. just, I think the game, I think the fans deserve it. I think the fans of certain teams, all 32 teams deserve it. If something is so egregious and it happens and the explanation is it's not challengeable, I find that unacceptable. The gamblers Absolutely. deserve it. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Okay. Well, you just gave us one of our, you know, greatest takes that, you know, we can post all over. But, you know, you were one of the greatest, I feel, athletes to turn into a commentator, media member. Let's uh, go. I don't know, what's your thoughts today of what you're seeing? Like, you have some former players coming out really bashing the players and saying stuff mm. where, you know, us media members are like, man, are they even taking classes or doing anything? to have to be in that position. So I want to kind of know your journey from taking that step from athlete to being in the media world. And just how was the backlash from you going from a player to a media member? How did the players react to you when you did critique some of their mistakes and things like that? You know, my mom used to say all the time, it's never what you say, it's how you say it. Mm. And I, I think that's, it's something I've tried to, you know, follow, uh, I've said things at times uh, when I was wrong and I've owned up to it. But when it comes to, when it comes to broadcasting a game, um, there's reasons why. See, I call it the what and why of telecasting. Your eyes will tell you what you see. My job in the booth is to tell you why you saw it. Mm. So in other words, you know, let, let's just say uh, somebody throws a touchdown pass. We saw that. That's the what. But the why is... Did the defensive back bite on a move? Did the quarterback give him a little pump? Uh, did the wide receiver do a great job of running his route? Uh, did the safety not get over? There's all the whys. What happened? So, I, you know, I call broadcasting now the what and the why. Your eyes tell you what it is, and now it's our job to explain what happened. And, and you know, let's say, let's say a corner just gets flat beat, okay? Mm -hmm. Instead of coming out and say he did a lousy job, and say, you know, the way I would, you know, the way I like to hear it and the way I tried to present it was the corner, he guessed that time. He's got, he's got great skills and great abilities. And this is one of the things that they really like about him is his ability to anticipate. But sometimes that's going to jump up and bite you. Mm -hmm. Same exact result. Yeah. Complimented the yeah. person. But on that particular instance, eh, you made a mistake. Mm. Thank Let's you. get that to Steve Smith and uh, make sure he gnaws over that a little bit. <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe, we got the, we got the uh, Washington Commanders at three and three here. Um, yeah. You know, new ownership group, Josh Harris uh, with Magic Johnson kind of in there. Already talking about changing the name again. We've had this conversation with you ever since we started having you on in 2016, changing the name, and we're having that conversation again. You also have Eric Berry there in Washington, uh, coaching quarter Sam Howell in that offense. So just kind of talk about what, uh, what how you feel that uh, Eric Berry 
um, kind of his addition to the coaching staff uh, has the gone enemy. so far? You mean, yeah, you mean, yeah, Eric, you mean Eric the enemy, right? The enemy. Yeah, so yeah, Eric the enemy. <laughs> yeah, the yes, guy the enemy. EB. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you feel like that's gone so far? I think it's I think it's going very well. And there's a there's a great transition that happens between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. Um, again, coordinators will call plays. And if you you know, Sam's done a terrific job of transitioning into the position. Mm -hmm. He's tough, he's smart, gets the ball out of his hands. It it really looks like that Eric and Sam are really getting on the same page. Again, when D, when offensive coordinators call plays. They call them for specific reasons. So it's more than just the quarterback position, knowing what the play is, but knowing why it happened. There we go with what and why again. Hmm. Um, why did he call this? It's let's say, you know, you're on, you know, you're on Washington and Atlanta playing. You're on Atlanta's 35 yard line. Okay. You, you call a deep route, knowing that you're on third down, knowing that you're going to go for it on fourth. So you take the you take a look at the shot. If not, you throw it away, knowing full well that that's what the intention is of the coordinator. So understand why the plays are called. And this is, I think, you're really starting to see uh, a much more cohesive operation from Eric and Sam. And that and it wasn't. I mean, in the beginning of the year, heck, they're both learning one another. Eric's still learning this offense. Sure. You know, you've got mm -hmm. you know Jahan Dotson can just catch everything. Terry McLaurin, mm -hmm. uh, pro bowler. Uh, Curtis Samuels bounced back over the last two years, really been a big part of it. Um, Logan Thomas is back. So I'm and, and you've got, you know, uh, and, and Brian Robinson. I mean, you know, you've got five guys that you got to figure out a way to get the football to them because they're all impact players in one way or another. But I, I think that Eric has done a terrific job transitioning in. I think he holds the guys accountable and, uh, and Ron does the same thing. It, it's um, they're three and three and, you know, they've got, you know, you've got now some tough times. You've got Dallas twice. you got Philadelphia again. you got the Giants twice this weekend. Um, you play the AFC East, yeah, which is a, you know, yeoman's effort unto itself. So, <laughs> we you know, the Patriots. Yep. Well, you know, the, <laughs> the, you know, if you, if your quarterback doesn't play well, you can't win. Yeah. yeah. Bottom line. I mean, it, it's, it's just the bottom line. The quarterback position has to be, um, in a place where it can complement maybe some of the things around it. And when you're asked to make plays, you have to make them or else, you know, they're, they're going to start looking. Hey, your former coach, Joe Gibbs, Joe. I find to be one of the most underrated coaches of all time in the NFL, three-time Super Bowl winner. Uh, I just want to know, what was it like playing under him and what did you take from him, uh, him being your coach? First of all, he's an incredible human being. Mm. Above all, above his his Hall of Fame status in NASCAR, his Hall of Fame status in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he's an incredible human being and one of my dearest friends. And I um, I drove Joe crazy. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit high strung. And Joe used to sleep at Redskin Park Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. And wow. we'd have a you know I'd come in for my Wednesday morning meeting because we'd get Monday and Tuesday off. They call them victory victory days off. I'd come in Wednesday morning about 7.30. We're going to start our meeting. And he'd be walking down the hall with a cup of coffee. And I'd go, hey, coach, how you doing, man? I can't wait to get started. He would turn around and literally walk back in his office <laughs> <laughs> for 10 minutes of peace before he had to deal with me. 
But Joe was Joe was so inventive and so creative with our offense. He used to do something, and Andy Reid does this. We see this during the game with uh, the game with Andy. You, you come up with different formation, different plays. Um, you know, Doug Peterson does the same thing. He did it in Philadelphia. He does it in Jacksonville. We used to practice a play, whether it was three tight ends, and we'd have Art Monk uh, in the backfield, John Riggins on the wing, and we would use it during the game. Matter of fact, Super Bowl 17 against the Miami Dolphins, we had what was called an explode package. And Saturday night, we're sitting in the meeting, getting ready, you know, going over our final preparation for the game. And it was where everybody lined up down around the line, down around the goal line in different positions because Miami used to match up man on man, linebackers on backs and tight ends, wide receivers, corners would, would, could be covered by them. So we had a, we had a hodgepodge. We had an operation. So Joe said, look, he said, we're going to run this explode package because I'm curious to see what the announcers are going to say. <laughs> and it actually, the first, the touchdown pass that Alvin Garrett caught was a product of that particular play in the Super Bowl. Um, but Joe was, he was so good in so many different situations. And really, uh, when it came to adjusting at halftime, phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. We would pare everything down. You know, you go in with a big menu. And then you pare it on down and you say, okay, these are the things we're going to focus on. These are the things that they're doing. And these are the opportunities that we're going to try and take shots with. And we'd wind up with three, right after halftime, we'd wind up with three or four shots that we felt like we could get an advantage in. And most of the time it worked. But uh, it, was, it was Joe's ability to, to adjust um, his vision, his ability to call plays. And, you know, I was blessed with one of the best offensive lines in football. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest oh. that ever played the game. So, uh, and then, you know, I mean, Art, I got a Hall of Fame wide receiver, a Hall of Fame running back. Two of my offensive linemen should be three. Joe Jacoby should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was very blessed on that side of the ball. Here's something that nobody really realizes how good our defense was. Uh, because it's such an offensive game today, people focus on the offense a lot. First of all, San Francisco, I think, barring what happened last this past week uh it was one of the incredible most most incredible defenses in football today mm. but in uh, 1983 the year of 1983 our defense uh, was or our giveaway takeaway ratio was plus 43. wow <laughs> so if you want if you want to have some fun you know whoever does your stats or something <laughs> look at the giveaway takeaway ratio over the last 20 years Oh. See if anybody's even gotten into 20. Nah. <laughs> no, no. We took the ball away two a little over two times a game from giving mm. it up to our opponent. Wow. That's how great these guys that were. That's crazy. I mean, as a you know, you asked you asked before about defenses. Um we were blessed. I mean, I was blessed to have the, the compliment. And, and Mark Mosley was a uh, MVP kicker. Mm. It, it was a very, it was a very complete football team in so many ways, but Joe yeah. was, Joe was the one that made it happen. He, you know, he, he let, we handled our own situations in our own locker room. You didn't have the media coverage that exists today. You didn't have social media. Yeah. Um, if there was an issue or there was a question we very, had very, very, had very few or ever a seldom did we have one. Um, the guys would sort of take care of it in the locker room and say, you know, if, our locker room was, our, I played for Joe Gibbs for, I think six years. I saw him in our locker room maybe six times. He would walk out of the coach's locker room, right through the equipment room, right outside. I mean, he just, 
he, he let us he, he let us handle our own locker room and and wow. it was our place. I mean, it, so many things that he did. I look at coaching because when I was in broadcasting, I had the keys to the library, mm. the keys to football. I meet with general managers, owners, coaches, players, equipment staff, medical staff. Wow. I had a chance to visit with everybody and learn. And, and the things I learned from Coach Gibbs are the things I see in football teams that do very well today, uh, the discipline they have, giving the players a chance to be themselves, not trying to run a system, but trying to fit the system to the personnel that's there. Amen to that. You know, that, that that's a good point. That It's kind of about how I felt about the quarterbacks who were all being drafted early and then forgot about two years in. But specifically to you, Joe, 1985, you were 36 years old. You just turned 36 as that season was starting. Did you know going into that season, or how many years did you plan on playing after before the injury? Did you go into that season thinking, you know, I'm 36, I might play until I'm 38? Or were you going into 1985 thinking that was going to be one of your last two years? Well, 1984, I signed a five-year contract. Okay. No. I, you know, I had, I had every intention of, I didn't know whether I'd last a full contract. I had every intention of trying to play at least a couple more years. Right. And, and you got to remember back in 85, when you were, I it was, I was 35 when I got hurt, when you were 35 years old, you were viewed differently than they are today. Right. Yeah. At the age of 35, they were looking for that next year. They wanted Jay Schrader to be the quarterback. Um, and, 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 you know, Jay wound up playing for a while and then Doug came in and Rip came in and, you know, got a couple more championships in Washington. But um, I, I'd had every intention, hopefully wanted to play uh, longer than just the, that one extra year into my contract. Mm. So, oh, go ahead, Mike. My so, Joe, I, I want to talk, you know, when you first got on, you talked about John and handing the ball off to John. Uh, just looking at the running back position today, we see what's going on with their battle to try to get contracts and get paid. Um, what's your thoughts on, you know, the running back position today and what can be done possibly to make sure that they're paid the way that they feel? Because, you know, guys like B. John Robinson come in ready to go from the jump. Eventually, you know, they can have him under his rookie contract, I believe, about four or five years. Four years, yeah. Yeah, and about that time, that's when they're like, all right, might be time up for you. Where he's yeah. like, no, it's finally time for me to really get paid. But that opportunity never comes. Uh, what, what what do you think can happen, and how can the NFL help these running backs get their uh, what they're worth? I really don't know uh, what can happen. Um, you know, you look at the numbers that players are being paid. I, I do think that the running back position today is undervalued. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the Giants last year and uh, Saquon's um, contribution to it. You look at Jacobson with the Raiders. I mean, you look around the league and you see. Uh, how valuable the running back position is. Um, it doesn't have a long shelf life. We know that. Yeah. But I, I think the other part of it is, is, you know, it, it's just the way the salaries are broken down and, and broken out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know these guys tried to get together and, and try and do something, but in our business, they have a way of finding somebody else. If you don't want to play, we'll find somebody. Mm -hmm. And and unfortunately, I like I say, I think that the value of the running back position is devalued today. I think they're really important. I know how important it was to us. Mm -hmm. And I look and and even and I'm not I'm not one of these guys that goes back to yesteryear and says, well, it, it was like this then. Even in the game today, you look at the value of the running running back. Derrick Henry. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean, what are the Tennessee Titans without him? Yep. 
Oh, so, I, you, you know, there's you, you can take seven running backs. You can take six, seven running backs and mm-hmm. say, hey, look, what does this team look like without these guys? And what are their chances of winning? And they're they're not as great without them. Yep. Brian, yeah. did you have something real quick? Oh, yeah. man, I, I had two more questions, but I, I'll go with my better one. I've got to circle <laughs> back to your broadcaster career, Joe, because, man, I was telling the guys off air, like, Sunday night football was better to me back in the day. It, it's, it's great now, but back in the day, it was better than Monday night football. And Monday night football was, you know, where all the glitz and glamour per se was. That's what they got all the big games. But, man, in your broadcasting career, um, what is one thing that you miss about it? And and why aren't you at CBS or or NBC or, or some – like, you're still sharp. You still got it, bro. You, you were one of my favorite color commentators back Thank in the day you. with Mike Patrick – um, yep. And then you moved to the three-man book with McGuire. Please talk about your broadcasting career. <laughs> we had fun. We had uh, we had the most fun. I talked to I Mike too long ago, <laughs> and I talked to Paul. Paul was great. Paul would never take a note in our production meetings. You know, but before you meet with the teams, right? So Paul would never take Paul would never take a note. He, he no, he would take one note. So I asked him one day. I said, "Paulie, you know, I'm sitting there writing things down, and and Paul's gone." I said, "Paul, why why just one note?" He said, "Joe," he said. How are you able to listen to what people are saying if you're writing things down? So I said, okay, that's True. a fair explanation. But he he had such a an overview of the game. I, I was a little more technical about it. And Mike was the, the mortar that held it together. I worked at CBS initially. Then I worked at ESPN, did games for ABC, then went to the NFL Network. I mean, I did Thursday nights, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, Monday nights. I did them all. And, and in the... 23 years I did broadcasting. I loved every minute of it. What I really enjoyed was getting to know uh, and to, first of all, learn about the game. I got my favorite saying, I'm doing a speech here in Miami uh, tomorrow. And one of the things I stress is the day you stop learning is the day you stop living. Mm. And what broadcasting allowed me to do was to learn so much more about the game and different philosophies inside the game from different coaches from different general managers, from different players, how they approach the game. Larry Fitzgerald, watched him at, at Arizona. After practice was over in an unbelievable sweltering heat, catch 50 to 60 balls extra. Mm. You wonder why he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. No, I don't, I don't wonder. I've, I've witnessed the difference in what makes great players and what makes players that have great potential and don't quite get there. So for me, it was the opportunity to be able to learn more about the game and to learn more about the guys that played the game. Absolutely. The best crew in my money in NFL history was you, Mike, and Paul. I mean, I I go back and just watch old games so I can hear you guys call a game again. It was was the best. And, Joe, before we get you out of here, you've been so gracious with your time. We can't thank you enough. I got to ask about these quarterbacks. There's been a lot of talk. Is Brock Purdy elite? Is he just really good? Is it the system? And to me, this word elite, it gets thrown around too much. To me, it might just be Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. That might be it. You see Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. They have kind of games where they go into a lull, and then they have the big mistakes late in games when you can't have it to cost their teams. And then is Brock Purdy a leader? Is he just really good and a really good system with Kyle Shanahan? So talk a little bit about the quarterbacks and elite versus really good. And if we're using this word elite just a little too much. I, I think, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is elite. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll say that. I mean, when you, you don't win championships, not being that and making plays like he has, I think there are a lot of really, really good, good guys in this game. Ritter's coming on. Uh, I think Sam Howell, I'm very 
thrilled with Sam's doing in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you uh, Jalen Hurst in Philadelphia. I mean, you look at different guys, and I think Brock Purdy is is a is in the perfect situation with Kyle Shanahan. Um, he has. I, it's hard to say if somebody's elite when they've only played what. Nine, 10 games, games, games. I mean, to me, you want to be able to see somebody play consistently over two or three years, four years, you know, are, you know, are you, are you the guy that can get it done? And and one of the things that bothers me is I hear people so often talk about, well, this guy's just a manager of the game and that guy's just a manager of the game. That's our number one job. Tom Brady was a manager of the game. Peyton Peyton Manning Manning was a manager of the game. That's what we do at the quarterback position. Brock does an excellent job managing that offense. You know, Eric and and Sam are growing into Sam's ability to manage that offense. Um, Josh is doing the same thing up in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Jalen in Philadelphia. Patrick in Kansas City. Uh, Justin, you know, he was he was under duress last night in San Diego and uh, with the uh, Chargers. So. you know, the term elite is I think you have to you have to win. Bottom line, you have to win and win on a consistent basis. But I'll, I'll go back to what I said before, guys. The quarterback position is the single most dependent position on the field. And if you don't have the pieces around you, it's very difficult to function at any level except run for your life. <laughs> yeah, we see that with Justin Fields. He, we see that he may have the talent, but he's running for his life with it behind that Bears offensive line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's at, you look you look around at, at, at different teams, and it's um, like I said, this is the thing that I enjoyed in broadcasting was I could get inside that, and yeah. I, you know, and, and truthfully, when I was in broadcasting, and and I could walk into a locker room, you can feel the vibes. It's like you guys have a, a great chemistry back and forth, and. You know, one guy sort of takes up and has a chance to ask a question. The other guy sort of step back. And it, it's 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 fun to do an interview like this. It's fun to do an interview by people like you who give you a chance to to look at it. And everybody else says, OK, I got another question for you. It's wonderful. It's it's being a part of the team, walking into a locker room and feeling the vibes. You can you can sense whether they like one another. You can sense that there's an energy. You can sense that there isn't an energy. You can sense that there's, you know, one part of the locker room is belongs to somebody. The other part belongs to somebody else. And, you know, that's why you see so many coaches today. You know, you have guys sitting in different places. You just don't have defense one place, offense another place. You want to be able to mix the guys so that they get a quote-unquote team feeling about what's going on. It starts in the locker room. What you said right there about us, Joe, we can't thank you enough. That was amazing and wonderful. Thanks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and we don't do this often for every guest, but we just got to give you a round of applause, guys. Thanks, Joe, guys. Hey. So gracious. Hey. And, and, guys, we got to make sure we've had so many great comments, people that um, enjoy hearing Joe talk. If you want to read one of the best NFL books, we got it right here. Yes. Uh, you can go to his website, joetheisman.com, how to be a champion every day, six timeless keys to success. And if you want to book him, he's speaking to Miami, come have him out. He'll cut you a deal. Uh, just, <laughs> just use the promo code Clint Switzer and he'll cut you a deal. It's right there. No book hey, Joe. He's the best man. Hey Joe, be- before you get up out of here. Yeah. If you could pick right now, what's your Super Bowl matchup after seeing, you know, over a month of uh, football. 
Come on, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> Come on. I still, I still uh, in the NFC, um, you know, Dallas's defense is awesome. Michael Parsons to me is just an incredible. That's, a, that's another conversation for another time because they're sure. comparing him to Lawrence Taylor. Again, uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see over a, a little bit longer period of time. But he's such something special. San Francisco's defense, I think, is very special as well. And defense wins championships. Um, you know, Kansas City, there's they're stepping up. I think I, I think it's very difficult right now. I mean, you got yeah. Philadelphia, so they lost a game. You know, everybody's well, okay, it's it's done and over with. Miami in the AFC, still dynamic as all get out. I think home field advantage is going to be very important going forward. Uh, once we get into the playoffs of who winds up hosting in the playoffs right now, I, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, it's wide open, both AFC and NFC. In my opinion, there's four or five teams on either side that are, they're wide open. Well said, we'll have you back on in December and we will hold your feet to the fire, Joe, at that <laughs> time. I'm sure How about you that? Will. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Joe. Mr. Theisman. Thank you Always an honor, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Joe Theismann. On the show here this week, we wanted to bring you that interview that was from our live show from Arrowhead Allies. You can catch that every Tuesday night. Our website, as always, is StarCadeMedia.com. That's where you can get all of our interviews, our podcasts, our breaking news articles. It's all there. Follow us on social media as well. We always appreciate it. So, Noah, as we head into this week of NFL action, we broke down the Chiefs Chargers extensively on Arrowhead Allies. We're not going to do that here, but what we are going to say is for the Chiefs, AFC West is closed for business on Sunday at 7 p.m. If the Chiefs knock off the two and three Chargers, the AFC West is going to be eight straight in Kansas City. And that is unbelievable. We're not even to Halloween yet, buddy. I know. We close it out, I believe, around Thanksgiving last year. It'll be Halloween this year. If we can get this W, we've got to do it. We've got to take care of these Chargers. They're kind of reeling. You want to keep them reeling, but they're going to pull out everything in the kitchen yeah. sink on Sunday to get this victory. Uh, I think we talked about a little on Arrowhead Allies, whether it's a fake punt going forward on even more fourth downs than Brandon Staley already does, if that's even possible. But Justin Herbert likes to throw the game away. You see him miss some wide open throws against the Cowboys on Monday night. So the Chargers are reeling. You keep a dead animal dead. Keep it lying. Keep it where it is in the middle of the road. Keep it as roadkill. That's where we need to Keep the Chargers. Don't give them a second life. Don't get them back in this thing. Give the Chiefs a second loss because we've got to keep that one loss going over to Germany to take on the Dolphins. They're kind of rivaling. Who's the best team in the AFC? Is it the Chiefs, the Dolphins? We both need to have one loss going into that game to really make that an exciting matchup in Germany. Uh, you said when we play in Germany, you said that so casually that it's I a little, mean, I a little troubling. It. It's a little troubling because... The commissioner, they didn't let me become commissioner, so I couldn't change the game. That That's maybe going to be to me the biggest tragedy of the 2023 NFL regular season is that Chiefs Dolphins is going to be played in Frankfurt, Germany instead of Arrowhead Stadium. Played in Arrowhead. No, Tyreek Hill deuces anything. All the fans doing this as we beat them. It's something and we get none of that because it's just everyone in Germany. Just what are you doing? What is this? Just bummer. Shouldn't I, don't, be I, I don't even want to talk about that. I want to know if you were at, at this game, what would you eat in Germany? I'm guessing whatever I got would be covered in sauerkraut. So just a burger and sour, it's covered in sauerkraut, hot dog, a brat in sauerkraut. Just well, okay. I got to tell you that this this the, this restaurant's not a sponsor yet. There's a place called the German Table in Colcamp, Missouri, 
and I went there for the first time uh, probably about a year ago. And I, and I, you know, schnitzel, that's a word I wasn't all that familiar with. Schnitzel. Schnitzels are good. Schnitzels are just a nice little flattened, almost like a chicken or uh, that's or a beef. It's like flattened with mm. like, you can have gravy on it or it's very harmless. And I was a fan. They had this stuff called spat, spatzel, something like that. And it's like kind of noodly type stuff that you kind of put under it. And it's almost like you get like mashed potatoes with that. And it's just, oh, it's good. I mean, I, I think I could eat in Germany. I think I could do Americanized it. Germany food, German food. The German or- table. This is authentic German schnitzels. Okay. Cole Camp, Missouri. <laughs> Go there. I, I'm telling you. Get there before it's too late. It's not, yeah, you, you got to because um, I, I think that I learned a lot, let's just say, from, from going here. And I'm in. I think that German food is good. I mean, it was like the, the other options they have are just like, there was one thing that was like a fried bologna sandwich. I almost got that. That sounds good to me. That does sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could gonna, eat over there. Let's go. Yeah. I'm going to get that next time. And then they just have brats. We all know what brats are. We all know that. So, I think we'd be all right. Maybe we should uh, try to get you a passport just in the nick of time. Yeah. Get me a passport. Get me over there. Get me some schnitzel. Strudel. Spatzel. I I, got to get the German names are tough for me. German is a tough language. It's like very in your face. You know, on my music podcast on the road to rock, I've interviewed several German musicians and like, I've always enjoyed all of them. They're all very nice people. And the weird thing about them is they stay good looking longer than the average person. I'm telling you, there's something to it. Michael Shanker, formerly of the Scorpions, Mike MSG. I mean, it's unbelievable. His brother Rudolph for the Scorpions, 70, like four years old and looks like forties. It's unbelievable. There's wow. something about those, about those people. Doro Pesh, the queen of metal, beautiful into her sixties and just does not look any different than she did. I don't know what that is. Maybe that'll rub off on the chiefs, the fountain of youth. Maybe it's in Germany. Well, the Chiefs are going back to some old things and trying to see if they can go back again and bringing back McCall Hardman. It sounds like presumably Frank Clark is going to be coming back as well. So who knows who else is going to come? Juju, come on back. Colin Saunders, Eric Bieniemy, come on back, everybody. Getting the band back together. Yeah, we are getting the band back together in Kansas City. And it's it's um kind of goes to show you the connection that this franchise had to these players, that legacy players that won Super Bowls here. And that they know they can trust them. They know that they can come in here and they know what they're, you know, can be trusted to be where they're supposed to be, do what they're supposed to do. And McCole Hardman struggled with that while he was here, but maybe magically that'll be fixed. <laughs> We're going to see. But to me, Noah, aside from, from uh, Chiefs Chargers, what we need to keep your eye on, you want to talk about both the Dolphins and Chiefs being 7-1 and one going to Germany. The Miami Dolphins play the Philadelphia Eagles on, on Sunday. That's a big one. That's, I mean, we, we saw the Niners and Eagles not look like the Niners or Eagles and it made you feel better about yourself. It's like, you know, when you, a girl kind of dumps you and she goes out and then she's like with someone ugly after that, it's kind of what I'm feeling like with the way some of these teams have played, like the bills and Bengals are three and three, but they, you know what I'm saying? The Niners lose to the Browns and PJ Walker. And so I'm just kind of like, you know what, like that, that 19 to eight chiefs went over the Broncos. That was, that was good. Right. That was fun. Yeah, we didn't blow it like they blew it to the Browns and Jets. So we played the Jets and 
I mean, the Bills blew it to the Jets, and we saw the Eagles blow it to the Jets. We didn't. We almost did, but we didn't. Patrick Mahomes got us through, and yeah, I mean, that Dolphins-Eagles matchup is going to be fascinating because the Eagles have a very good offense. At least most of the time, they faced a very good Jets defense. They're not going to be facing a good Dolphins defense, but the Eagles lack talent in that secondary, and so that's going to be a great matchup because it seems like the Dolphins should be able to torch them, and then the Eagles should be able to kind of keep the ball away from them and kind of grind it out on the ground. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Starcade Stories. We cannot thank you enough for being a part of it. Like I said, the website, StarcadeMedia.com. Hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Like, I'm almost to the point where I don't trust anything but Apple and Spotify. Like, everything else is just, like, going away. They're like, oh, well, Stitcher's gone and all these other. Yeah. It's just like, hey, you better get a Spotify or an Apple Podcast, and, and you're good. You know what you get here at, at Starcade Stories. Um, and we want to thank HelloFresh for sponsoring us this week. Hello Fresh. I can't recommend it enough for someone that is a picky eater that is just now learning what a schnitzel is. You're going to get the freshest ingredients, step-by-step -step instructions. You can even quick one of the quick and easy options for people like me that don't know what they're doing. Hello Fresh. We cannot thank you enough. We love you and we love each and every one of you that join us each and every week here on Starcade Stories. Thank you so much once again and we'll catch you next week enjoy your weekend enjoy football enjoy everything there is go to a pumpkin patch man take your kids go go have them sit on on a hay bale and take a picture got to be wearing an orange sweater though the wife's got to be wearing uh yeah brown you gotta you can't you gotta look good together you, you have all the all colors in there somebody's got to be wearing something yellow some brown some orange you. yes you, you get, get it you get me yeah, thank course. you guys so much <laughs>